Okay, so let's let's get started now. Um, I hope your brain is thinking. So, um, in reading this story, so remember, just a chapter thirteen was seven parables about the kingdom of God that Jesus going. So it's kind of like farming. Okay, you don't get that. And well, it's kind of like looking for a pearl. Okay, you don't get that. It's kind of like a mustard seed. It's kind of like a farmer. It's kind of like all these things. That's one after another. Jesus is telling all these parables, explaining the parables. And then he feeds the 5,000. And this is that same day. So when I was reading this story, um, it actually kind of made me think, like, you know, this story is kind of like a parable, isn't it? So remember, a parable is a story or something, just normal day-to-day life, a story used to explain something spiritual. And when I read the story of Jesus walking in the water, um, it kind of feels similar. I mean, I believe it's true, whereas the other things are just stories. So it's like a real-life parable where this happened. I feel like there are spiritual lessons for us underneath the story that we can take away from it. Um, the first thing just being that this is an absolutely outrageous story. We all go like, oh, yeah, yeah, so Jesus walked on water. And then, yeah, Peter just hopped out of the boat, and he walked on the water, too. <sighs> But this is crazy. This is crazy what happened. It's an outrageous story. Um, this is a fishing lake. There were probably boats around. I'm thinking Jesus walked down the mountain and could have gotten in a boat and went, meh, I'll walk today. Like, this is nuts, right? And it's not like this is a little lake with shallow parts or sandbars or rocks for him to like kind of hop across and just look like he was walking on the water. It's a big lake. The Sea of Galilee is its where they are. It's about seven miles across. And they are now hours into the night. At the earliest, it's three o'clock in the morning. So they've been in that boat for hours. They are miles away from shore at this point. It's also deep. Like This isn't like we're wading out across a pond. This is, it's like 150 feet deep. Like, that's deep. And... So it's definitely smaller than, say, like Lake Michigan, but this is, this is crazy what is happening this night, that Jesus is walking out miles on deep water. And also, we know that this lake, the way that the geography in this area is, is that the water is low, and there's actually, like, mountainy cliff around it. I've never been there. Anyone been there? Have you seen this, right? It's, I would have, the pictures are awesome. But because of that geography, storms come out of the blue on this. The way the temperature is from the high mountains and the low water, it stirs up storms a lot. And we know from the story that it was a stormy night. So there, all I can think is Jesus is like hurtling waves, you know, like getting over it. Like this is big water and big waves. <clears throat> and I think what this immediately says to me in as just as impossible it is to walk across a lake like this and how shocking it would be, I think it highlights how impossible and outrageous the things of God are. That this is just a normal thing for God. So, yeah, I think it highlights how impossible and outrageous the things of God seem to us. So, you know the story. We usually talk about this story and we think of um, the waves in our own lives. 
and um, the things that make us feel like we're sinking or drowning. And we think about the the tough things in our life, um, like maybe pain or physical limitations, illnesses, family troubles. Um, I know for all the moms, the expectations feel like overwhelming sometimes. And life is hard, and we think of those waves crashing on us. And that it's our stuff. It's just sucking us into the water. Um, I think we also are very aware of like the undercurrent of our lives. That we can't even like see what it is, but there is something pulling us down. And that life is hard. Um, <clears throat> and so in this story, we see Peter able to walk when he's looking at Jesus, right? We, we say this, and I bet some of you even said it already this morning. Peter's able to walk when his eyes are on Jesus, and but when he focuses on the waves and on his troubles, he starts to sink. And we often say, right, in the story, if we just keep our focus on Jesus, we'll be able to handle our stuff and our problems better, right? That's that's normally what we say, um, and so true, right? And I wonder, is that your experience too? Have you had that? Do you know that to be true in your own life? And so at your table now, I have another question for you. At your table, how do you keep your eyes on Jesus when your stuff is pulling you under? Um, Let me say it again. How do you keep your eyes on Jesus when your stuff is pulling you under, when the waves of your life are crashing on you? Okay, so let's just take a minute around your table. How do you keep your eyes on Jesus? When I read this story this time, um, just like you know, when you read the Bible, it is just, God's word is alive, right? And it just, it hits you differently sometimes. <clears throat> I just felt like the Holy Spirit was really sweet to me, and like, I just read it different this time. And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. <clears throat> this time when I read Jesus walking out on the water, and the disciples, the guys are all in the boat, this time I... I like saw Jesus out in the way, out in the wave, but like out in the world, um, and out in the troubles of the world. That that stormy waters, the waves, they weren't so much my stuff. They were the troubles of the world, and that the world is painful and broken and scary and dangerous. Like there, our world is it's rough, um, and Jesus is out there in the rough places, walking on those waters. Um, I want you to think about in Luke chapter 4. Um, if you have your Bible, you can flip to it. Luke chapter 4 um, is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Um, chapter 4, verse 18. He, um, this is, he's in the temple, and he is like, this is the very beginning when he is explaining what he's come to do, more or less. And he's quoting Isaiah in Luke 4.18, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So just to look at that again, Jesus is with the poor, the prisoners, the sick, the oppressed, I started thinking about what, who are those people today? What does that look like? Where would we find those people today? And we would find them in homeless shelters, at the WIC and Medicaid office, 
Um, we obviously see them in this in third world countries, but we see it here right in the Quad Cities. Um, the prisons, hospitals, ERs, the oppressed. Who does that even... That just encompasses all of us so much of the time. That This is who Jesus is with. And then add to it Psalm 68, verse 5. <clears throat> Psalm 68, 5 says that he is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. So now like that adds to this list of who is who is Jesus with? Who is God's heart for? We're now adding the lonely, the orphan, the foster kid, the widow, the mourner, the weak, the convicts. The, like, it goes on and on. This passage, it just, those, this group of people, the father to the fatherless, the widows, the lonely, the prisoners, these are people who have no people. These are people who are alone. And they're the outcasts. And honestly, right, that's where he found each of us. We were those people. And he changes us, right? But that's where he's still at. Jesus is still in those places, in those groups of people. That's who he cares about to rescue them. And those places are stormy waters, right? And in this story, walking on the stormy water is just no big deal to Jesus. Where we are overwhelmed and afraid and I know lots of us lots of times don't even want to go into these places where people are hurting like this because we we don't know what to do it seems impossible but to Jesus it's nothing that's where he goes he goes to the broken places to bring hope for the hopeless um John 16 33 says in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world and that's where he's at. That's John sixteen thirty three. John sixteen thirty three is in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's not impossible for Jesus. So that leads me to this question for you: Where do you see God? Where do you see Him at work? Um, Are you ever surprised at where you see him at work? I think the disciples and Peter that night were not, like, they were so surprised to see Jesus walking on water, right? And I love that Jesus is sweet to them and, like, gets that this is ridiculous. And, like, don't worry, guys, it's just me. Um, But he's everywhere, and he's working in all kinds of unexpected, unusual places. And he catches our attention differently. Um, Like the disciples noticed him out there. And I wonder, where do you notice him? Um, Where do you pay attention to the work that he's doing? Um, That's a question for around your table. Why don't you just start thinking about that? Where do you see God working in our world today? Um, I'll just give you some examples. For me, when I think about that question, um, I notice him, obviously, like in the day-to-day things. I notice when my kids have a question about God and have like that sweet soft moment when they're thinking about godly things and I love that and I think oh God is at work and it inspires me to want to talk to them and it makes me want to pray for them that God would keep their hearts soft as they think about the Lord and are realizing the realities of him 
But I think we also see them in incredibly unexpected places um, that surprise us, too. Um, For me personally, um, I've noticed him at work in the gay and lesbian community. And that, like, I mean, years ago when I first noticed, it startled me. Like, but now I can't stop paying attention to what God is doing there and the lives and the people. And I, I noticed God at work there. Um, I know my husband, Steve, he just went last weekend or just a few days ago. He went to the I-80 truck stop, a very unexpected place, right? And he went in there with assumptions of what he would find there and um, was went in very prayerful about the terrible things that happen in a truck stop that large with trafficking and things like that. But he went in and God surprised him and like really took his breath away and God said to him, do you see the good that I'm doing in the community that's here? And that he really immediately saw all the, the work and thought this place is like outcasts. Like these truck drivers, they've got this whole life that we never see. They're out on the roads, they're in truck stops that removed from our towns and things and but that he saw God at work there. And I God is at work in unexpected places. And are we are we looking? I wonder where do you see him? Where do you see God's compassion and his hope for people? So that's around your table. I just want you to take a minute and do you notice him anywhere? Where do you pay attention? And I think the little things like I know one friend of mine, she can't stop thinking about the kid down the street who seems to have a heart for the Lord. And she's watching that kid and praying for that kid and bringing that kid to church to you're getting on a plane and going to Sierra Leone to help with the Ebola crisis. You know, like there's, there's, he's in so many different places and I wonder where has he caught your attention? Where have you noticed him? So that's around your table. Where do you see God at work? Okay, so, so Peter and the disciples, they're in the boat. They see Jesus walking on the storm, or on the water, in the storm. And um, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning now, um, and they all panic, rightly so, right? They think they've seen a ghost. And I wonder, have you ever been afraid in the middle of the night? Can't you relate to these guys? <clears throat> Sometimes, um, when I, you know, I got kids, so... Um, I'm up during the night sometimes. And um, do you know, like, I'm probably not the only one. You think you hear something? And I, like, start going, like, kind of crazy and go, like, there's probably somebody in my house. I'm pretty sure there's somebody in my house. <laughs> but I'm, like, I'm delirious, so I, I go really nutty and go, well, they're already in. I might as well go back to bed and they'll kill me when they kill me. <laughs> Right? How's that for crazy delirious, right? Like, the middle of the night, we are not rational people. <laughs> but but one time, one time, I did wake up to somebody pounding on my door. Pounding. Not like, not, 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 bang, 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 bang. Pounding on our door. Rattling the door now. Trying to, like, open it. So, right. Terrified. And I wake up, Steve wakes up, Nate wakes up, and we can hear it, bang, 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 rattling the door. Goes around to our side door, rattling on that one, turn the lights pop on, bang, 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 bang. And carried on for a while, and 
it, we were so scared. I was, maybe this was irrational, but I was so sure they, this guy was going to kill us and that we should not answer the door because likely he had a gun. And so we like waited him out and um, we ended up calling 911 and it ended up just being some like really delirious person who thought it was his house or something. I don't even know. But it was terrifying. And that was now already a couple years ago, but you know like that fear, it just like doesn't go away and so now like my crazy thinking at night well I have reality it happened someone did try and get my house but I was thinking about how scary that was and what if it would have been my dad that fear would have just been gone or the fears kind of stayed with me that fear would just be gone I'd be like it's oh, just my dad and I kind of think don't you think that's kind of how the disciples felt that night they think they see a ghost walking on the water they're ridiculously afraid. They think it's a ghost. And how relieved were they when it's their best friend says, it's just me, guys. It's okay. And I just think the relief that they must have felt was huge. Um, so in Christian circles, I think there's a lot of talk about calling. Have you heard this? For people say, like, what's your calling? I'm called to go on a mission trip or I'm called to this ministry um, there's we also use it um, nicely to not participate in ministries right my favorite line for years is I am not called to children's ministry I am called to their mothers <laughs> um, it, right it's just a holy way of saying I don't want to do that <laughs> but here's what jumped out at me in this story is that Jesus didn't invite anybody to come walk on the water with him. Did you notice that? He didn't invite anyone out there. He's just out there, walking on the water, having authority over the water that he created, having authority over the laws of nature that he made. He said, when people walk on water, they'll sink. And he said, but not me. He's just out there doing his thing. And Peter sees him. And doesn't care that he can't walk on water. Um, he doesn't care that he can't command the sea. And he doesn't care that the storm is dangerous. Because he's distracted by Jesus. And I don't believe that Peter's ignorant about the laws of nature. He is a, he's a man now, but he was a kid who grew up on water. He has spent his life on the sea. He is a fisherman. This is probably his fishing boat. They, he knows about water. Um, I grew up on a small lake, like a mile across, and um, I did see a handful of people drown. And it was not a deep lake, but um, I remember the summers of ambulances rushing, trying to get the kid who fell in. And it just doesn't take much for water to overpower somebody. And Peter certainly knows this. He certainly saw people drown. He knows that this doesn't work. But somehow he doesn't seem to care, or he doesn't notice, or he's got one thing on his mind. He just wants to be with Jesus. And instead of waiting to be called out of the boat, he basically says, can I come too? Remember that? He says, um, if it's really you, if it's really you, command me to meet you in the water. But I think it's basically, can I come too? And I wonder if this ever happened to you. Have you ever felt so strongly about just wanting to be with Jesus 
that you overlook the troubles that are right in front of you. Peter was able to overlook the obvious because he was distracted by the fact that all he wanted was to be with Jesus. Um, I have definitely felt this way, and I bet you have too. But I also know, and maybe like me, you wish it happened all the time, and like this was your regular story, was that you were always distracted by Jesus. Um, I think it's there's something about him that's addictive. Like once we can get ourselves to get into prayer time or get into the word or get into it, it's hard to stop, but getting in is hard. But once we're in it, if you ever had those prayer times where you're like, oh, they just flew by, I wish I had more time. I feel like that's kind of what has happened to Peter here. He just spent all this time listening to Jesus teach him all those parables, all that time, one-on-one. He just did incredible miracles, and he just wants more. It's like, oh, you're out there? I want to come with you. Um, mm, just around your table, real quick. Um, can you relate? Has that ever happened to you? Do you know what he's talking about, that wanting to stay with Jesus and be with him longer? So just talk about that for just a minute. Come to. And what I love about that is that um, Jesus doesn't take any time to mull that over. Um, he doesn't... Um, He doesn't talk to Peter about his swimming skills in case this goes bad. Um, He doesn't talk about how how deep Peter's faith is to know is he ready or not. Um, He doesn't warn him how hard it's going to be and is he prepared. Um, He also doesn't like, oh, well, Peter, you know, you might be a good choice, but really John is the one who has more faith, like he's the one who gets to come. There's no talking about it. Jesus just says, yeah, come on. Come get in the water with me. That Peter's desire to be with Jesus, that's enough. Nothing else seemed to matter. Just his desire to be with Jesus was enough. And I wonder if we're missing out on walking on some water because we're waiting for a mysterious calling. Um, Jesus is at work in our world. We can see him. He is walking in the tough places. And the reality is, he called us when he saved us. That was the day that we, we were called. And we were invited to join him. <clears throat> and I, I wonder just what we're missing. If, if we would just say, can I come too? I'm pretty sure Jesus would say, yeah, come on. That you've already been called. I think it's easy to get caught up in um, the callings and things are just big things and the big stuff. And that's the important stuff. And that's all that we're talking about. But... The reality is is that God is at work right around us. He's at work in our homes, our neighbors, our co-workers. He he is at work everywhere, and it's all... Just because it's close doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Sometimes it's easier to get on a plane and go on a mission trip than it is to talk to a family member about the hope we found in Jesus. And sometimes talking to a family member is about as impossible as walking on water, right? (laughs) or serving a neighbor who's having a hard time. And I think um, we're in this special place with the intimate relationships, the ones that are close to us, because we we see things that nobody else can see. When I think about, like, praying for my husband or my kids, I'd be like, oh, that's all I can do. I'm not... I'm not doing full-time ministry, or I'm not going on mission trips, or I'm not leading something, or I don't even have a home group, or whatever. 
all I can do is pray for my family. And that's, that's crazy talk because that's huge that you could pray for your family. Because when I think about nobody knows my husband like I know him. Nobody knows his struggles like I know his struggles. I can pray for him in a way nobody else can pray for him. And my children, I know what they're afraid of at night. I'm the only one who knows that. None of you know that. I can pray for them like nobody else can pray for them. And it's really important work, stuff that's close. And to not wait for a big calling to do something else. Like we need to respond when we see God at work, even in the close things, I want to come too, and I want to participate too. And he says, come. Come be a part of it. Um, I've been asked a couple times lately about what's my calling, where do I feel called. And um, it's just, it's interesting, because um, I know where God has lit me up inside. I know what things have, about him have caught my attention. I know what work I see him doing that is interesting to me and I'm passionate about but like recently someone asked about my long term vocational goals I was like are you kidding me (laughs) I don't know all I do know is I want to be where Jesus is I don't care where he is I don't care if he's out on the water I want to be where he is and I think that that that's what we need to do. Peter never could have predicted that he was going to walk on water. That was not on his like job description of what he wanted to accomplish in his life. Like That didn't even make a bucket list, nothing. He didn't know that's where Jesus was going to be, but he wanted to be where Jesus is. And um, I just think for me, like I said, my line has always been, I, I am not called to children's ministry. I don't know if any of you know what my role is at QC West. I'm doing the children's ministry. (laughs) I'm leading that because, and that is not what I ever thought I would ever do, but it's because I saw God at work there and I wanted to be with him. I wanted to go with him. And so, and he said, come. I'm not qualified. I'm not, I have no experience. I have dodged everything like this. Don't pick me. And it didn't matter. God said, that's where he's going and I get to go there too. And it just means he gets all the credit for the good stuff because it wasn't me. But so I think we it's unexpected where God goes and where he will let us go to. Um, all we know for all of us, if you don't know, your line is, what have you been called to? You've been called to be with Jesus no matter where he goes. Um, but I want to tie an earlier point together with this. I asked you before, where do you see God at work? We all see him in different places. He catches our attention differently. Only Peter was the one who got out of that boat. And the other guys were like, weren't in trouble for that. They just, they weren't the ones. Peter was the one who noticed. Peter was the one who said, I gotta go there too. And I wonder, think back, what did you say before? Where do you see God at work? And I wonder, do you want to go with them? So around your table, just go back to where you, where you said you see God at work, and how would you answer that question? Do you want to go with them, or how do you? Could you go with him? What do you think about that? All right, go ahead. Then I got one more point. <laughs> Peter sees Jesus. Peter goes, "Can I come too?" Jesus, "Yeah, come on." So Peter climbs out of the boat, and um, can you just imagine this? He climbs over the side of this big boat, puts one foot into the water, 
And instead of sinking, his foot just kind of splashes like it's stepping on a puddle, and the water supports his foot. Can you imagine? Like, kind of that mixed feeling of like, I thought he was, I thought that was going to work, and I didn't go under. (laughs) And then his other foot comes out, and he tentatively stands there and realizes the water is supporting him. This is the craziest thing that's ever happened to him. And I wonder. Did he just walk across the water? Or at what point does he start running, leaping over the waves, thinking, I'm walking on water? And I wonder what those disciples are watching him, what they must have been thinking, like were the tears running down their face as they're watching this in front of them? But at what point does part Peter start to go under? It says in verse 30, But when he remembered how strong the wind was, his courage caught in his throat, and he began to sink. So we we think that if we have enough faith, we won't sink, right? And we think that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we won't sink. That was Peter's problem. And we think that basically because that's what Jesus says. Oh, you have little faith. Here's the thing, though. The thing is that Peter had a ton of faith that night. Um, Remember what happened during that day. They're feeding the 5,000 people. And the thing is about that story, it wasn't even 5,000 people. That's just the men. Most biblical scholars think it was more in the neighborhood of 20,000 people. So just for perspective on that, um, the iWireless Center in Moline holds... 9,200 people. So if they're right, and it is more like 20,000 people, that's the iWireless filled two tons. That's a whole lot of people. And I always think of that feeding the 5,000, like the picture in my head is like, you know, us. Just this big. And where will we feed these 80 people? And it's a really small scale in my mind. But the reality is is that it's enormous. This is like going to Great America on the busiest day in the summer. That's 20,000 people packed in. Think that shoulder to shoulder. You've been in, like, going into Chicago on the fireworks night and walking and the streets are packed and you're shoulder to shoulder. With you. That's what this is like. This is not a little crowd sitting on a hill listening to Jesus. Jesus is maybe speaking, and they're like walking by. This is like at a fair, catching a few words. And nobody else knew it was a miracle to stay, but the disciples knew it was a miracle as they spent hours walking around, feeding everybody, watching that basket keep filling up. That was a miracle that went on for hours. So all I can think is that Peter had a lot of faith that night. The disciples had a lot of faith that night. And if that wasn't enough, what hope do we have? Have you ever thought that? So there's a few things I think we can take away from this, though. Okay? First of all, I'm going to write these down. The first thing I think we can take away is that it's okay to be afraid. And it's okay to doubt. I think it's virtually impossible to avoid it. 
Peter had a lot of faith that night, probably more faith than he had most of the time. But he still got scared, and he still needed to be rescued. And that's okay. I think we can expect that that's just what will happen, and it's okay. The second thing is that we will be rescued. Peter didn't get kicked out of the group that night. And in fact, he continued to make huge mistakes after this point. But Jesus still built his church on him and used him in powerful ways. So it's okay to doubt and to be afraid and to know that Jesus will still rescue us. Um, Jesus was quick to reach for him and pull him back up and... That seems to be just okay with Jesus. He expects to have that role, to pull us up when we sink. That's how it works. The third thing I think we get from this is that we need to be quick to call on Jesus. He saved us the first time, and he'll save us again. He no- I just know he knows that we're weak, and he is faithful. That's our relationship with him, and he knows that. Um, And I bet Peter knew how to swim. He had to have, right? He had to know how to swim. And he probably could have stayed afloat in that water for a while, even. It takes, if you can swim, it can take a while before you get worn out and go under. So he could have even stayed up, I think, for a little bit. I think that's likely. But... He called on Jesus right away. And I think that is the lesson for us, is that we need to call on Jesus right away, too. Jesus welcomes us out into the deep water where he knows we can't survive on our own. He knows we don't have this. This isn't a matter of being strong enough or, I think, even having enough faith. We had enough faith to call on him to save us. That's enough faith. Remember, faith is small as a mustard seed. We already have enough faith. And it's expected of us that we struggle in it too. And that's okay. Jesus pulls us out. Um, So for our last discussion point, which of these three things do you need to remember? We are all, if we follow Jesus out into the deep water, I think we can expect to sink a little sometimes. Um, So what do you need to remember? That it's okay to be afraid, it's okay to doubt. Do you need to remember that you will be rescued? There's not an end point of where Jesus says, "Mm, tough for you, bye-bye. That's not how he operates. He always, 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 always rescues us. He is always, always faithful. You will be rescued when you call on the name of Jesus. So around your table, maybe you can pick one of these three things that you want to glue in your mind this week. Go ahead.